Hi there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Well, g'day. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Ben and I am one of the youth pastors here and uh, it's fantastic to see you here tonight at our service of Kerry at Night. And uh, I get to kick off a new series where we're going to start working through the book of Acts. And uh, we are going to start looking to see what did we find in Acts that were early markers of the first church. Uh, when I say the first church, I'm talking about the church that, that grew out of the time after Jesus went back into heaven and Peter and the disciples started the early church. What were the markers in the book of Acts that sort of helped us see uh, how we do church? And uh, so we're going to explore those starting tonight with some Instagram moments for Peter. Uh, who here has Instagram? Yeah, so uh, ratio-wise, compared to the morning service, that's like 80% here. Morning service was like 20%, uh, you know. But that's good, because uh, you guys now know exactly what I'm talking about when I say Instagram. I had to explain it to them this morning. Uh, so I don't even need to tell you guys that Instagram's about sharing pictures, right? It's, it's a platform uh, that we use to share pictures with each other. Uh, we can get likes. We can get people following us. We can even become influencers and get free things when we start posing by the pool with our natural health remedies and, and facial creams. And we go, this is me by the pool with my health spa. And uh, hopefully they send us more. I know people who are doing that and actually getting free stuff. And it's actually kind of cool that that can happen. But uh, Instagram, it's, it's one of those things where we share snapshots of our lives. Some people will share their everyday moments, like, and maybe even too much. Uh, I know for me, I share, if you look at my feed, Micah, 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 big moment in my life, Micah, 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 Micah uh, because I love my kid. And even though every photo looks the same, to me, they're different, and, and that's okay. Some people only post the big parts of their lives, but the thing about Instagram and when we're posting photos is every photo has a story behind it. Like you, you could see a photo and you could like try and guess, okay, this is what's going on. But if you talk to the person who took the photo, they could tell you, hey, this is what's going on behind this photo. This is the story of what was happening. And uh, so, for example, if we look at my Instagram feed right now, this is a photo from my wedding day. And uh, this uh, was about oh, half an hour after we were married. We just walked out of the church, got in the car and we're, we're driving off. And my best man, Brett, was driving the car for us. And we were so excited and really happy. And Brett's like, don't get too happy. Uh, but it was a good, good day because we were really excited. If you've ever been married, you just know that that, that moment, once the ceremony is done, all the stress is just gone. You're just like, yes, we're here. And uh, it just like all the weight comes off. It's amazing. You guys will get that soon. You guys just had it. It's great. Uh, but there, so that was the story of that photo. This is a, a photo of my graduation day from Vos Seminary. And uh, the story behind this photo is I studied for eight years uh, to get a double degree, studying part-time while working here at the same time. And uh, I went to nine graduation ceremonies in that time, watching friends who had started after me graduating before me, which hurts. And that was a long journey. But because I did a double degree, I was given the option to wear the green or the purple hood. I said, can I wear both? And Monica said yes, and I was pretty happy about that. So I'm like one of the few people who's ever worn two hoods to a voice ceremony, and I, I feel pretty special about that. Also in that photo, Shelby's like six, seven months pregnant with Micah at that time. Stories behind the photos. In this story, this is uh, my accreditation ceremony, which happened about six months before the graduation ceremony. But that's the moment that BCWA conferred their accreditation upon me. And that, that was the end of a long process of finishing my voice training, uh, but going through a lot of interviews, 
meeting a bunch of requirements that uh, satisfied BCWA, the Baptist Churches of WA, that uh, I have uh, a calling on my life for church leadership, that my character is good, that my psych evaluation came back well, that I went through a bunch of interviews about my position in church stuff. And even though I fluffed one of those interviews, uh, I slipped Brian a 50 and he let me through. Uh, so that was all sorts of fun. This is a photo from Catalyst. If you remember Catalyst, this was uh, one of our youth events. We did a series of them a few years ago here at, at Cary. And uh, this, just, this story behind this, that's Nick on stage there, but this reminds me of one of the Catalyst events. Uh, we had 700 young people from across Perth in this room, and 52 of them gave their life to Christ on that night. And that is an awesome story. This is a, a scene of the birth announcement for Micah. He turned one this week. So this is a, a year-old photo. Uh, you know, when you, give, when you have a kid born, uh, there's always a birth story around that. Everyone has a story that's different for their kid. I won't bore you with the details of this one because if you have never been pregnant, it will scare the crap out of you. Uh, if you have, you just go, yeah, whatever, I've got a better story. Uh, this picture here so happens to be the first family photo we ever took. 10 months old, it took us that long to get a family photo together. I uh, don't know why, I just never got around to it. It's just really weird. Uh, but this is at Micah's cousin's birthday party, and uh, we were there, and we're dressed up, and we're like, hey, let's take the photo. Uh, so we, we did that. You might also notice there's a little bruise under Micah's eye. Uh, the story behind that, he was just learning to crawl at the time, and, and he couldn't quite master the, the handwork, and he kept face planting. And every time he did that, another bruise would appear in his face. I was not beating him, he fell over himself. It was okay. So that was that. And then finally, this week was Micah's birthday, and I made a cake. Who thinks my cake's amazing? I think my cake's amazing. Thank you. You said you're impressed. Yes, awesome. So that cake uh, took me, uh, I mean, like you bake the cake. That took, what, an hour for the oven to do its work. But then making the icing and pouring that all over it, that took a couple of extra hours of, of messing around, trying to get it all smooth. And I, I finished that 11.30 at night on Tuesday, and uh, I had a, a, a meeting first thing in the morning with Pete and a teleconference to Melbourne. Uh, so I was quite sleepy for that, but that was all right. His name is Daryl, and we ate him. And he was delicious. He's the practice cake. He's about this big. I'm making a proper big one for the actual party, and it's going to be interesting if I can replicate it. But, we're, I mean, we're not here to go through my slideshow and my feed. If you really want to see my pictures, follow me on Instagram. Um, shameless plug. We are actually here to talk Peter and the early church. Uh, and if you think about the early church in the first century Jerusalem, your first thought is not Instagram, is it? It's uh, probably more people in robes and walking around in the dust because they didn't have technology like we have now. But imagine Peter did have uh, Instagram. He was uh, walking around with Jesus for three years. And Jesus was God, did amazing miracles, said some amazing stuff. If Peter only Instagrammed the big moments, he would still have a feed that was updated at least four times a day. And so if we imagine Peter had Instagram, here's Jesus poking some guy's eyes out. No, he would have probably captioned it more like this. Today I saw Jesus make mud by spitting in his hands and using it to give a blind man his vision back. Hashtag Jesus heals, hashtag miracle. Uh, maybe on this one, Peter would have gone, uh, today uh, we were out walking around, a crowd appeared, Jesus decided to teach them, crowd got rioty and they were hungry, uh, so Jesus took a kid's packed lunch, turned it into food for everyone, hashtag Jesus feeds, hashtag miracle, hashtag new catering business idea. Maybe this event you might be familiar with. Today I tried to walk on water. Turns out Jesus is more practiced than me at this. Hashtag I fell over. Hashtag faith is growing. Hashtag I got wet. Um, you know, hashtags, they're kind of fun and boring and outdated, aren't they? But if Peter had Instagram, I imagine these are the kinds of things we would find 
in his feet. And these are pretty significant moments. Seeing Jesus turn a packed lunch into food for 5,000 plus people. Seeing Jesus give a guy his vision back. Like, who can actually say they've ever healed a guy of blindness? Like, I can't do that. That's the power of God right there. Peter saw some pretty amazing things. And I reckon one of the biggest days in Peter's life was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost happened uh, after Jesus ascended back into heaven. So Jesus already died. He's risen again. Uh, Peter is there with the disciples. He goes into heaven. Jesus goes into heaven. Peter's now praying with the disciples in a room a couple of weeks later. And they're praying. And Jesus had promised them, hey, uh, after I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So be ready. Be waiting. And they're doing this. Uh, And they're in a house. And all of a sudden, they're praying. And a rushing wind comes through indoors. Uh, Unless you had a massive industrial fan, that would just be scary, right? Uh, like a wind just appears, and then fire appears in the air and starts splitting off and landing on everyone in the room's head. That's kind of weird, right? So like Peter then Instagrams this and says, craziest thing, uh, wind blew through our house and we all got fire in our heads and now I know I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, like God must be on the move. This is the first part of Pentecost. Then they started going outside and talking and the really weird thing, speaking in tongues, like people were hearing what they were saying, but in their own native language. So say I was in Jerusalem, but I came from Egypt, I'm starting to hear Peter talk in Egyptian. If I'd actually come from Greece, I'm starting to hear Peter talk Greek. Yet Peter himself probably thought he was speaking Aramaic. Isn't that amazing what the Holy Spirit did that day? And so a crowd appears and they start to go, what's going on? Um, these guys are celebrating. Are they drunk? And Peter's like, no, no, let me get up and talk to you guys. His hashtag here was uh, felt inspired by the Holy Spirit to get up and preach. Biggest crowd I've ever spoken to. 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus that day. We celebrated 52 in this room. He got 3,000. That's a pretty amazing story. First time preaching. You'd quit right there, right? Like, quit while you're ahead. No, he didn't, which was great. But 3,000 people came to know Jesus on that day. And the Bible even says, a verse later, they all got baptized. Can you imagine the logistics of baptizing 3,000 people on a spur of the moment? And Peter trying to organize that and the disciples. It probably took hours. This day of Pentecost was incredible because you went overnight from a handful of maybe 100 or 200 believers to 3,000 in one day. The church exploded. That's why we call this the birth of the church. It's the day that, that the church went into this massive movement that, that gained instant traction and momentum. And all that story is the story behind the snapshot I actually want to look at tonight. So if you think all that has happened, you get in the very next section in Acts chapter 2, a snapshot of the church that I want to unpack with us tonight. So let's read it together. It's in Acts 2, uh, verse 42 to 47. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together at the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what I see here, this is a snapshot, a word picture of the very first community built in the church. 
And I want to unpack a couple of things I see in here uh, that can apply to us that we can go, hey, is this part of what goes on at our church? And the first thing I see is what I'm calling the functions of church in terms of like the, the aspects that we're probably the most familiar with. And this is the worship, the teaching, and the prayer. It says right at the top there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer. They worshiped together. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a church that doesn't do these things, right? That's probably the core fundamental elements of church. We worship together, we hear preaching, we pray together. Um, And these early believers, they were doing this gathering daily, it said. They gathered every day to do this. And these things are really important to our Christian life, like to worship, to give God the, the honor that He deserves, to pray regularly for ourselves, for our church, for each other, and for, for our community, and for the world around us, uh, to start gathering under appointed leaders' teaching and, and unpacking Scripture together, but, but not just doing these things ourselves on our own, doing these things together as part of a faith community. See, we get to come together weekly and to gather as a community, and to do these things, to participate in the worship and the teaching and the prayer. Uh, we get an amazing opportunity every week to, to realign ourselves towards God when we get together. Let me unpack that for a second. Like Whatever our circumstances are, wherever we are at in our lives, whatever's going on, when we come together for worship and prayer and sit under the teaching of Nick or Peter or Brian or, or Georgia, uh, it realigns our thinking towards God. It aligns our internal compass towards God's true north kind of thing. Uh, you see, we, we tend to drift when we're on our own. If you've ever owned a car, you'll know that every so often you have to get a wheel alignment because the wheels sort of either, if you hit a curb and they, they go off center or just sometimes you've got a terrible car and their the alignment goes, you need to get those realigned so that your car goes straight. And, and the same goes for us. If we don't realign ourselves to God, we start leaning into all sorts of places. We'll fall into negativity. Uh, or we'll lean towards um, thinking that is defined by our own thinking. Uh, we orient our lives around me. But when we align ourselves with God, we align ourselves with, with what His Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. We align ourselves with the faith community together, and we start to sense what is God doing in this place? What is God wanting from me in my life? Uh, what is God wanting to do uh, through us to meet the needs of other people? Aligning ourselves with God gets us on a godly way of thinking. We were with the youth in Sunday morning last week, unpacking Romans 12, 1 to 2. And there's a line in there in the message version that, that just says, um, you guys need to be thinking and responding the way God wants you to. How do you do that? By reading His Word, by getting familiar with what God is saying. And that's just something I think we need to do, come regularly and get ourselves aligned back with God because it gives us a godly way of thinking. Now, you might ask the question, can't I just study Scripture myself and unpack the Bible on my own? Uh, can't I pray in my bedroom or uh, worship God with the radio on uh, in my car? Yeah, of course you can, and I reckon you should. But, but what happens when we do try to interpret Scripture on our own? There's, there's a limit to as far as we can go. And, and that's because we are doing it from the confines of our own experience and our own circumstance, and that kind of puts some blinders up sometimes when we're trying to unpack what Scripture is saying. And, and so when we gather under someone else's teaching... It's like they have an objective view and they can cut right through our circumstance and what's going on and actually give us fresh perspective that we might not have heard of or seen before. And so that's why it's good to get together and listen to other people teaching. Good thing to come together, to participate in worship and teaching and prayer. And we do all that by meeting together as a community. Second thing we're going to unpack here is fellowship and community. In verse 44, in the middle of this passage, it says, They met together. They shared everything they had. They had everything in common. 
Uh, they were giving as they saw needs arise and, and they met in each other's homes and they shared meals together. Uh, you know, sharing food together as a church is like one of those things that's always at the core of what we do. Uh, every event that we do as a church, there'd always be someone doing food, uh, Martha brownies or, or shortbread or a barbecue or, or whatever it is. Uh, food comes up. We do it at youth, not because we just want to make sure the kids are fed, but there's something about me getting a bowl of spaghetti and being able to walk up to some kids and sit next to them. And if normally, if I didn't have the spaghetti, they'd be going, who's this old guy sitting next to me? But with a bowl of spaghetti and they've got spaghetti, uh, we can all sit together and it's just a natural conversation that can outflow over this food. Sharing meals together builds community, helps us grow together, go to friends' places for lunch, go to friends' places for dinner. Sharing meals is just a community builder. But why is community and fellowship important? Why, why should we do this? I think it's because we are not meant to be isolated Christians. We're not meant to, to walk this journey alone. Uh, we are invited and called into a family of a community of believers by God. And, and being in fellowship with each other is where the life of church happens. We talked about the being aligned bit as well, but we can also become the life of the church as we get into community. Because as community, we can build each other up. We can look out for each other and, and be growing stronger together. And I believe this Acts 2 community would have been looking out for and meeting the needs of people in several ways, in, in practical needs, financial needs, spiritual needs, encouraging each other and, and in growth. I believe God calls us to live generously, to meet other people's needs. We've talked about this before when we unpacked the book of James, but um, if we see a need in someone's life and we are able to meet it, shouldn't we do something to meet that need? Like if, if I, in a practical sense, saw someone that needed help doing something and they need an extra pair of hands, or if they're moving house and I'm physically able, uh, wouldn't I help if I was able to? Um, Acts 2 also describes seeing people struggling to make ends meet. They, they had people who were coming in with nothing, and, and they were selling houses, selling things that they had to raise money to be able to uh, feed people and help them out. For us, if we see someone struggling and we've got a little bit, to, little bit of spare cash, wouldn't we give them a gift or buy them a load of groceries, to do something to help encourage them. I think this is one of the things that is, is key in being generous to people, but not just in material things. I mean, it's easy for us to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I see someone that's struggling. Here's, some, here's 50 bucks or here's $5 or whatever. But it's more than that. It's more than the material. I think being generous in community is also getting around each other for encouraging each other and building each other up. It's about offering support to each other. Like when someone's hurting in our community, wouldn't we want to get around them and protect them? Wouldn't we want to get around them and, and pray for them, help them find healing in God? Or if they're going through a dry patch in their faith, wouldn't we want them to be able to be surrounded by people of faith and to pray for them and to encourage them, build them up, point them back towards Jesus? I mean, we, we need to take an interest in each other and take responsibility for each other, looking out for each other. And this sort of stuff, it's so easy to go, ah, oh, it's all right, the pastors have got that. Like, I'll leave that to Pete. Pete's got a team of pastoral care elders, right? They can deal with that. No, if we did that, it's just going to be too much for one person. But, and besides, we are all in this together, right? Like, if, if Jet sees someone hurting and he's got a need, I'm sure he's going to do it. And just, you know, all the way through this community, we can do the same thing. Last week, um, in, in this space, Georgia talked about the, the Roman shields. Do you remember when she talked about the Roman shields, those big, giant, rectangle ones? Uh, and the Roman shield, it's not like a small Captain America one. And if you think about Captain America, it's not a small shield. These ones are massive. And these shields were so big, they could cover the whole soldier. But the cool thing about them was when all the soldiers lined up next to each other and they all put their shields in front and they all interlocked, you develop this impenetrable wall of shield that is able to defend the whole army. And the really cool thing about that is 
you then have people who uh, might be struggling in the army or people who are soldiers who need to be rested or something. You can have all the strong armies guys at the front with their shields performing this defense mechanism for them all. Now, that mechanism of that wall fails if, like, if Brandon's at the front with his shield and he goes, yeah, I'm bored of this and walks off. You've now got a gap in the wall. But if Brandon stays there and keeps that impenetrable wall going, we are able to defend against the arrows of the enemy coming at us. Think about that in our community sense. If we're standing side by side with each other, growing in our faith, walking together, uh, we can be protecting each other from the enemy, from the devil, from when he tries to shoot arrows at us to try and stop us from growing in God. We need to learn to stand side by side with each other. When I was a young adult and just straight out of high school um, at a different church, I was, I was in a home group, a small group sort of thing, pod uh, would be another word for it. And, and every so often during the year, we would do something called chair night. Now, chair night was named so because we would get in a circle, put a chair in the middle, hence chair night. And uh, someone in the group, um, you didn't, or not everyone had to, but you had the opportunity throughout that night to sit on the chair and ask for prayer, which is fantastic. Like, who wants to give up free prayer, right? Like, get people praying for you. It's always good. I'm excited when people offer to pray for me. And so you'd sit in the chair and you'd either say, hey, I'm struggling with this issue, or I need healing in this area, or I'm just uh, scared about an exam coming up, or I need prayer for this. And the community of this small group would just gather around, we'd all lay hands on each other, and we'd pray for the person in the chair. And, and sometimes we'd be praying for their needs, sometimes we'd be prophesying over them, saying stuff that we believe God was trying to say through us. And the cool thing about this was we did it together, and it built our faith, and it built our courage and our belief in what God could do, because we saw prayers answered. We saw God doing things in each other, and it built our sense of community. And I think the faith that I built in that time period uh, helped me to become the person I am today. We need to do community together, pray for each other. There's a line in this passage in the NIV version, which is on the screen, uh, that is the NIV version, uh, that says they had everything in common. When I started comparing the different translations, I couldn't really find that they had everything in common line uh, to say anything more than they were sharing possessions. But it, it triggered something in me to think, what do we have in common with each other? Uh, some of us love the same stuff. Some of us uh, are into the same football teams. Some of us support ones in Melbourne and you're just like on the outside. I'm sorry, Pete. Uh, but together we have commonality. And at the very base level, we're all humans. On the next level up, we're all trapped in the curse of sin and we need God's forgiveness and his grace. And we are all children of God and God calls us all into this family. I think that's a pretty strong level of commonality right there. Yet we're all different. We all have different personalities. We all have different cultural backgrounds. We all have different families that we come from. Different, but we have commonality. In the youth team office, if you think there's myself, Georgia, and Nick, uh, sometimes we all get together and before the meeting starts, we'll just be talking about our kids because we've all got kids now. Uh, Mike is a year old, TJ's six months old, Nick's got two daughters who are a little bit older, he's a bit further ahead in this game than us, and sometimes Nick will offer us great advice and sometimes we all just sit together and go, yeah, parenting's hard. Uh, or we just go, parenting is such a joy, isn't it? And these sorts of things. And, and Nick's told a story from this stage plenty of times about how every night he'll ask Maya Rose, his four-year-old, what is your favorite song? And, and her response is usually some kind of worship song because they play worship music through their house almost every day. And I just think it's really awesome that this is going into this four-year-old and building her up and building her faith already. And to the point where she's saying, my favorite song is Raise a Hallelujah or some other worship song that's trending. 
that's really cool. And then Georgia tells a story about uh, TJ when he's restless and he doesn't go to sleep. If she plays worship music, especially songs that talk about God's joy and his peace, uh, that TJ starts to fall asleep when she plays that music. And I sit here and go, I feel like I need to step up my game because uh, when it comes to music and, and engaging with Micah, I say five special words. Okay, Google, play the Wiggles, which I have to stop my phone doing right now. And then hot potato pops out. If we're in the car and Micah is like being a bit whingy, I say those words and, and my radio starts playing hot potato. And I, I mean, he can't sing yet and he can't do the hot potato things, uh, but he just does his own Micah dance and, and sings along and his face lights up. Uh, or if we're at home, I say those words, Netflix pops up on the TV and starts playing Wiggles TV shows. And he just so is so engaged and he's so overcome and he just loves it. He's obsessed with the Wiggles. Emma is his favorite. Um, but the thing about this is about five or six songs into my Wiggles playlist is a song called Who's in the Wiggle House? Who here actually grew up with the Wiggles? Just want to check. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, who here is already sick of the Wiggles? No? Parenting? Excellent. Parenting 101. Parents, you get sick of the Wiggles. Uh, who, who grew up with the Greg? Greg Wiggle. Yeah. Who grew up with Sam? A couple of people with Sam. Who? And I don't think any of you are young enough for Emma, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, why do I go on and on about the Wiggles? <laughs> Current generation has got Emma in it. And, and there's a song called Who's in the Wiggle House? And, and I was listening in the radio with Micah this week. And I was sitting in this passage about Acts 2, thinking about community and family. And Who's in the Wiggle House comes on. And if you've never heard that song, uh, it goes through each of the members of the Wiggles. And they say, I'm in the Wiggle House. And Emma goes, I'm putting my bows away and dancing ballet. Lockie is sleeping the day away. Anthony's eating fruit salad. Uh, Simon is um, singing opera and enjoying playing Simon Says. They're all in this wiggle house. They all live together, but they all have different passions, right? They all have their different sticks. They've got their, their different uh, thing that they're good at, but they all live together in this house and having fun and singing and dancing together. And I know it's just make-believe and all that sort of stuff, but it made me start thinking, isn't that a representation of, of what we're seeing here in Acts 2? All these people, different passions, different personalities, but they all have commonality. There's a line at the very end of that song where they say, I'm in the wiggle house and you're invited here every day. Which I think is a really cool statement to make. Because they're saying that, like, you know what? Everyone is included in our Wiggles community. And I think we as the church should have that same kind of attitude. That you're invited here every day. That we're inclusive of everyone. Because God doesn't just accept Christians that look like me. If we did, I'd be alone here in this building and it would be quite lonely. Uh, but God's invitation to join the church, to join his community, is open to everyone. I mean, that's how you and I got started in being here, right? God invited us into his community, offered salvation to us. And so I think if we got, start getting quite closed off and, and only inviting the people who are in this room, uh, we're going to get quite lonely as a church. Our community should be open and inclusive and, and, and not just like saying, okay, everyone, you're allowed to come, but actually including them in it and including them what's going on in this place. And, and that leads me to what my third point that I see in this passage, and that's that church isn't just a community. Church is a family the family of God. Like, church isn't just an event that we turn up to. It's not an event we just turn up to. Church is a family that we belong to. Church isn't an event you turn up to. It's a family you belong to. And for a long time, that was a nice sentiment that I'd heard and was filed in the back of my mind. I went, yeah, yeah, church, not an event, it's a family. But if we start actually believing that for ourselves and believing that for our church, I think that's going to be life-changing. It's going to be paradigm-shifting. 
to believe that we are part of a family because this is going to impact every part of our church life. The worship, the teaching, the prayer, the hospitality, the discipleship, the inclusiveness. When we do it from the position of being a family, it changes everything. I mean, often our language will slip into letting us think uh, and reinforcing that idea of an event when we start saying, I'm going to church or I went to church. Uh, Wouldn't it be different if we started saying, hey, I am the church. I am being the church. I am part of the church. In the process of finding the right church for me to go to, look, I might drive kilometers away out of my house and, and pass 10 different churches before I find the one that, that has the best preaching and, and the, the music that attracts to me the most. And those things are good and those things are great to look for and find. But what if instead of hopping around churches looking for the one that made me feel the nicest with their music and their preaching, what if I found the church that had the best expression of family, the best expression of community? I wonder what that would look like for me. Every week, uh, usually Wednesdays, I go to family night. And uh, Shelby and I alternate between going to my parents' and her parents' house. And and we go there for dinner, and we just spend time together as a family. But imagine if I went to family night, and the only reason I went was for the free food. Like, if the only reason I went to family night was because I could save 20 bucks and not have to cook a meal and and just get, like, a delicious pork belly roast uh, and get some free drinks and and walk away full belly and, and just walk in, get the food and then walk out and that's it. I'm kind of abusing the idea of family there, aren't I? That, that is not what family night looks like. Uh, what I love about being with my family is, is getting into conversations, uh, getting into interactions with them, seeing Micah engage with his grandparents and his cousins and his aunties and uncles. And, and just being around that family is what I love doing. I love being able to care for my family. I love being able to come to my family gatherings and, and to be able to just drop my bundle and say, you know what? Um, I don't have to put the mask on of what I want the world to think of me. This is who I am. And here's what I'm struggling with. And here's the problems I've got. And here's what I'm dealing with. And the family, we we get to around each other. And we either start problem solving this stuff or we just sit together in it and go, yeah, that sucks. Let's, Let's just sit in that together. That's family. When we start interacting and loving each other in that way, that's the kind of community I see in Acts 2 in this snapshot. They cared less about whether the service was on point and they cared more about their family about their fellowship and their community. But families aren't perfect, though. Uh, Think about your own family and your gatherings there. Uh, When the family comes together, you might not always get the food that you like. You might not have some, like, you might not like fish, and and they serve fish. You're like, oh, oh, I'll put up with this. Or the playlist on on the soundtrack might not be what you think. Like, if you go to my dad's place and he plays the good old 60s and 70s music, and I'm like, eh, come on, Dad, get to the program. At least play 90s, you know, um... Maybe you have a weird uncle who just tells the stupidest dad jokes. Maybe you have a, a black sheep in the family. Maybe you, your kids are at the, at the family gathering and they're just going into meltdown and screaming and they won't shut up. In the midst of all that, I don't just abandon my family, right? I don't just walk away and go, you know what, this is too hard. No, no, I love my family. I work through all that. I actually still encourage my family and I get together with them. And it's not about the food or the music or the screaming kid. It's actually about being together with my family. Church isn't perfect either. Like it's full of imperfect people, especially this guy. We are all imperfect and we gather together in this thing. And and yet Jesus calls the church his bride. The Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. God calls us into a family, calls us into a community, and he values it, even though it's full of us imperfect people. We're a family together. And the Bible talks about how a family's responsibility uh, has a bunch of things that we should be doing to each other. And that is to love one another, 
to carry each other's burdens, to encourage each other, to, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Healthy families, they, they support each other and care for each other. They're committed to each other for the long haul. And, and families that connect with each other only because it suits them or it benefits them aren't the ones that survive. It's the ones that are committed in every season for better or for worse. This is the snapshot of the early church I see here in this passage. And it's the result of the Holy Spirit bringing a great number of people together, bringing them together and calling them into community. And He created this, this pocket of people who just lived this family dynamic, and we now call it church. And there's something about that that is attractive to people. One of the ways we're going to grow this kingdom is when we're actually living out this family properly and including people in it. And it says at the bottom, this was so good, that the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. The line just before it, they were gaining favor with all the people. The way that they were acting was causing people to just come and say, what is it that you guys have got? I wonder, if, if we took snapshots of Carrie, would we see the same sort of thing? If we took a, a photo of Carrie and, and just collated all the stories of what's going on, what would the picture being painted look like? I hear many stories coming out of this place that, that describe a, a good family feel, but I reckon there's room for more, right? There's always room for improvement in what's going on and what we're doing. These guys aren't just ignoring me. They've, I've told them that's the point to get on stage. But, you know, if, if we're creating stories and building into stories and, and building into our family, I think we're going to grow in a deep and rich deepness and richness. Uh, the sort of story that, that the snapshot of Carrie would look very much like this Acts 2 passage. Because our, our church is not just meant to be a Sunday event that has to be put on every week. Uh, our church is supposed to be a family gathering where the whole family comes together regularly and we see each other and speak into each other's lives and help each other. And the family doesn't stop being family at 7 o'clock when we go home for dinner. The family is still family. Uh, there's ways that we can still interact through the week, but a family in a church, I think we need to be looking out for each other and helping each other grow in our faith and in practical ways. And so uh, as we start to land this thing, I just want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. In what ways have you been helped by the church family in the past? Have you experienced that? But also at the same time, what are some of the ways you can be part of helping other people's needs? How can you be the family to someone else? Is there someone at the moment that you know of that has a need that you could meet? Uh, or you need to stand up and put your hand up and say, guys, give me help. I need help. Is there someone you can give support to? Is there someone you can lend a hand to? Is there someone that you uh, know is struggling and you can just get alongside them and pray for them or, or offer them to buy them something? I don't know. How can we get around each other and build this greater? That's something I think we should press into and see what's going on around us. Let's pray together about this right now. Let's pray. Father Jesus, God, uh, we, we just see in this passage a, a picture of the family community that was birthed within your church grew. And God, it's such an incredible picture of family. It inspires me, God, to want to live in that kind of way even better and even deeper and, and even stronger. God, I pray that this would be something that you could help us to move towards. God, I pray that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit uh, to have this family mindset as we approach church and approach what it means to be in this community, in this family. God, draw us closer together. God, help us to meet each other's needs and, and to see what, see what is going on. God, help us to align ourselves with your Holy Spirit to see the needs and to be able to meet those. God, help us grow. Help us grow in our faith. And God, that we would see your kingdom come and your kingdom grow. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.